0: I really wanted to wear the barbie shirt uh today but i would i figured that you might think i don't wash my clothes so that's why i didn't um wellspring what's up my name's caleb um i I haven't been up here yet you might have seen me um you see me on the high five videos every week uh and so as i'm up here like i've never spoken um in front of anyone over the age of 18 before so i was (laughs) A uh, little nervous, but so I thought I could share a little bit about myself to kind of just get my gears rolling here. Um, so I like a lot of weird things, um, and so right now I, it's a lot like I, I, a varying different things that I really enjoy. So right now if you were to ask me what's the most listened to genre of music on my Spotify for the past week, um, it's sea shanties. Uh, do you guys all like the, the songs the pirates used to sing like all together on the, on the ships? I found this dude who made an album of sea shanties and it's fire and I love it. Um, I love sports. Uh, I'm a Boston sports dude. Uh, I started watching sports when I was like seven-ish years old. Uh, The Patriots had won the Super Bowl and uh, I was like, these guys are good. I'm gonna follow them. And um, luckily they had 20 years of success. So it was was great. It was awesome. We're not good now, but whatever. This sentence isn't said very often, but I love sports and I'm also a huge nerd. Um, I love comic books, uh, comic book movies. I play a um, weekly uh, Dungeons and Dragons-esque type of game with my friends every Tuesday night. It's called Gloomhaven, it's awesome. Um, If you want to know more about that, feel free to ask. But I love the MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe. I've seen every Marvel movie since Iron Man the day before it came out. Um, I like to tell this story. I'm not gonna tell the whole story, but I like to tell this story just to get across how much I love the MCU. Um, So the third Avengers movie, Infinity War, came out, and then there was a big cliffhanger at the end, and a year later, Avengers Endgame came out. And within that year, I went to Lake George. And again, I'm not gonna tell the whole story, but I almost drowned in Lake George. Um, if you want to hear the story, I'll tell you later. Um, but as I was almost drowning, as I started to panic, um, a thought popped into my head, and this is a real thought, was if I die right now, I can't see Avengers Endgame. So that literally gave me the will to live. I kept fighting, and I was rescued. And uh, one other thing. Uh, so a few weeks ago, during a high five video, uh, Jason asked me a question. He, he, it threw me off guard. And uh, it was, do you prefer cats or dogs? And I said, I'm a cat person. Now I want to just clarify, just because I'm a cat person doesn't mean I don't love dogs. Mona Lisa, my dog, she's the sweetest thing ever. I love her so much. She has my heart. She's the greatest thing ever created. Um, But cats are just easier to have as pets. Like we're going away to snow camp this this week and I have to get someone to watch my dog and stay over our house. If we had cats, we wouldn't need that. Just get an automatic feeder, you know? Uh, but cats are just, and also I say, if you've never had a good cat, you can't really say that dogs are better because a really good cat is just as good as a dog. My, my cat, Mr. Mustard, um, he is the greatest cat ever. I know people who hate cats who have met him and have said, if I had a cat like Mr. Mustard, I would love cats. So cats are awesome. Um, that had nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I just saw a platform to Talk about cats, and I took it. So, I'm just going to pray real quick as we get started, and then we're going to jump into uh, the word. So, oh, also, I'm married to Sky. I forgot to say that. <laughs> but you guys, you guys know that. Uh, yeah, that's important. Dear Holy Father, Lord, thank you. Uh, just for today, Lord, thank you for uh, just cats and dogs. <laughs> thank you for um, laughter and just. Um, just everyone sitting in this room right now, Lord. Um, I said to guy as I walked up here, why is everybody here? <laughs> there's so many people here. Um, but you have a, you, there's a reason for everyone sitting in this seat here today, Lord. And I just thank you um, for this opportunity. Um, I pray that what you have uh, prepared for, Lord, I have prepared for everybody today, Lord, that you would just speak through me and I could hit some hearts. And I just want to pray all this in your name. Amen. All right. So we are closing out Nehemiah today, Nehemiah 13. And I'm really just going to jump right into it because there's a lot to get through. Um, so, if you have the Bible, let's start Nehemiah 13:1. Um, On that day, they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God, for they did not meet the people of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. Yet our God turned the curse into a blessing. As soon as the people heard the law, they separated from Israel all those of foreign descent. Now, before this, Eliashib the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God, who was related to Tobiah, prepared for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the grain offerings of frankincense, the vessels and the tithes of grain, wine and oil, which were given by commandment to the Levites, singers and gatekeepers and the contributions for the priests. So I'm going to stop right there. Where are we? Um, So we're at a hearing of the people they're reading a passage from Deuteronomy and it says no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God. And it gives a pretty good reason why. Basically, these dudes did not have the same agenda um, as Israel. So it says right here, they hired Balaam, that cursed them. These dudes were willing to harm uh, Israel. So them not being allowed into the assembly of God made sense. And it gave a good reason as to why. Um, So these dudes, no bueno, very clear reasoning. Then you go on and we hear a few names that we've heard before we got Eliashib and Tobiah so Eliashib he's a priest um, in charge of the storeroom uh, in the temple and he makes two major screw-ups right here first he takes out all of the the worship material the food everything that was in this specific room that was appointed there for a very specific reason uh, for worship he moved it out and that's bad enough that he did that but Second, the second big screw-up is he allows Tobiah in, access to the temple. So Tobiah, if you don't know who he is, um, if we go back, like I said, it's a name you might remember if you've been with us through Nehemiah, Uh, Tobiah is basically just an enemy of God. He did not want the the wall to be built. He's an Ammonite. And if you go back uh, just a few verses, it says no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God. And literally two verses later, Eliashib is allowing an ammonite into the assembly of God. Cool. Good job, Eliashib. So let's, you might be thinking, well, where's Nehemiah during all this? Well, let's jump in. Verse six. While this was taking place, I was not in Jerusalem. For in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I went to the king. And after some time, I asked leave of the king and came to Jerusalem. And then I discovered the evil that Eliashib had done. Uh, had done for Tobiah, preparing for him uh, a chamber in the courts of the house of God. So Nehemiah, not in Jerusalem, uh, he was away. It's not a definite number of how long he was away, but the guess is about four to six months to maybe a year. So he wasn't really gone that long. And when he returned, it says he, he discovered the evil that Eliashib had done. Didn't say that he was a little bummed out because Elijah moved his weird cousin Tobiah into the temple. No, it said he discovered the evil that he had done, and he wasn't gone that long. So I've been in youth ministry for about ten-ish years, and uh, I hardly ever miss a Wednesday. Um, it's like I can i can count the number of times I've missed a Wednesday. And uh, my old church, we used—I would just cancel youth group if I wasn't going to be there. Um so there was this one Wednesday, I kinda had to go to this thing. It was like my honeymoon, so I was like, oh, I should probably go. Um and so I wasn't gonna be there one Wednesday and we had like some younger leaders and I wasn't like confident that everything was gonna go smoothly. And so I was like, yeah, well, yeah I was I was worried. Um and so the day came, it went, I texted the leaders, I was like, hey, was it good? They were like, yeah, it was it was great. Um and then the next week I talked to the students and they were I was like, hey, how was Youth last week? They were like, oh, don't ever leave again. And I was like, oh, What? Well, What happened? They're like, oh, well, we didn't tell any of the leaders this, but um, there was almost a fight that broke out in the parking lot. Uh, Some girl waited for another girl and uh, she chickened out when she saw like parents there, but she was going to jump a girl. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, Also, we uh, we we dropped a stack of chairs and put a hole in the wall, but we covered it up with a poster. So like nobody, (laughs) nobody knew about it. Like, oh, cool. Like I'm going to hear about that. Uh, and then the last one was, oh, and also somebody uh, put a Wawa sandwich in the microwave, but didn't take the foil off. So like there were some sparks and the kitchen, smelled a little weird. And I was like, great, I was gone for like two seconds and you literally almost burned the entire place down. Um, and I'm sure Nehemiah was thinking the same thing, but I get it, right? We're a little lax when the the head guy's not there. Nehemiah wasn't there, so the Israelites got a little lax. They were like, yeah, okay. And so it got me thinking, has there ever been, have you ever been working in the bosses on vacation? Uh, Boss is away sick or something, and you have a little bit more freedom, right? You feel like, yeah, I don't have to do that. I don't have to go 100%. Um, maybe it's a teacher uh, and you got to substitute in. I don't know what those words are. I was homeschooled, so I don't know what that means. But apparently, subs, nobody has any respect for substitute teachers. So, teachers away, you feel like, oh, I could get away with a little bit more, right? Uh, I don't really have to go 100%. I don't have to really fully commit. Uh, yeah. So that got me thinking, um, are we like that with God? Do we treat God as if he's away on vacation? Um, are there commitments that we've made to God um, that you might have be getting sloppy in? Are there parts of your life and your relationship with Jesus where things have kind of fallen off track, but you're kind of okay with it right now? Well, let's jump in uh, back in. So there's a lot of scripture to read here. We're not going to read the whole thing. Uh, But we're just going to pick some things out. So, uh, Nehemiah, if we go back to chapter 10, a few weeks ago, uh, Jason's up here talking and the Israelites made some very specific commitments. They said they were going to commit to uh, three different things. The first one was care for the temple. The second one was the Sabbath. Uh, They're going to keep the Sabbath holy. And the third one was they weren't going to intermarry. Um, so there are three very specific things that the Israelites were like, yes, we commit to this. There's a whole bunch of people's names that you can't pronounce that were like, yeah, I will commit to that. And it was a few weeks ago. Right. And just a, in chapter 10, so we're in chapter 13. And if you've ever been to church and these things are highlighted, you know, they probably screwed up. So let's jump in. So we see already that Tobiah uh, is in the temple. So the care for the temple is already not going great. Um, if we jump into verse 8, we see what Nehemiah did about it. He says, I was very angry and I threw all the household furniture of Tobiah out of the chamber. Then I gave orders and they cleansed the chamber. And I brought back the vessels um, of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. So like a mad ex-girlfriend, he literally just tossed all of Tobiah's stuff out of the temple. Right? He saw evil and he replaced it with good. He brought everything back that needed to be in that storeroom. Um, the frankincense, the grain, all that stuff, no hesitation. This guy just, he was like, I, this is not how things should be. I'm putting things back to the way they should be. So that's the part one of care for the temple. Part two is he found out that people were not tithing. Uh, they made some very specific commitments on caring for the temple and tithing is a huge part of that. So the people who were uh, who were in charge of the temple, they had to go, they kind of just scattered and did their own thing. Um, and if you jump into uh, verse 11, it says what he did about that. So I confronted the officials and I said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together, set them in their stations. So he confronts them, which I love. Him is the best. He just he doesn't uh, hesitate. He just goes, confronts him. Why is the house of God being forsaken? Like, seriously, what's going on, guys? I was gone for like a year. What's happening? Um, And he puts a reform into place. He gathered them together. He put them back in their stations. He saw some screw ups. He saw them slacking a little bit when it came to uh, the commitments that they made to God. And he goes, no, this is what you should be doing and makes them go back to where they should have been. Next is the Sabbath. So they're 0 for 1 right now in their commitments. Uh, Next was the Sabbath. They said they were going to keep the Sabbath holy. They weren't going to work on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was intended to be a protected uh, space in which Israel could meditate on the Bible, rehearse the mercies of God. It was for worship. um, And obviously, they were working on the Sabbath. So he comes back and he sees they're doing stuff. They're working. They're gaining wages. This is not good. This is no bueno. So jump to 18 he At first, he sees them, and again, he confronts them, and he's like, what are you guys doing profaning the Sabbath? What's going on? Then he says, did not your fathers act in this way, and did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Now you were bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut and gave orders that, should, that they should not be open until after the Sabbath. So again, he confronts him, he calls him out, basically saying, guys, what is going on? Haven't you heard, like, don't, haven't you learned from past mistakes? Like, this was literally an issue before, and God brought disaster on, on us and the city, and now you're doing it again. You're, you're profaning the Sabbath. What is going on? I was gone for like two seconds. And he took action, though, in, in verse 19, and uh, he literally just shut the doors. Like, no, this is not happening. No, there's no work on the Sabbath, right? Put second reform in. Like, he put that second reform in. Sabbath is, from now on, will be protected because there, he says, no. no, Nothing will happen on the Sabbath. Nothing will happen until after the Sabbath. So, 0 for 2. Okay, good job, Israelites. You guys are doing great. Um, so, then we got the last one, which, which is intermarriage. Um, so, if you remember at the beginning, we said no Ammonite and Moabites should ever enter the assembly of God. So let's see how these guys are doing with marriage. In verse 23, in those days, I also saw the Jews who married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. <sighs> okay, good job, guys. And I confronted them, and I cursed them, and beat some of them, and pulled their hair out. And I made them take an oath in the name of God, saying, You shall not give your daughters to their sons, or take their daughters for your sons, or for yourself." No Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly. God, I feel like you should have known that marrying them was not a good thing, too. Um, So, But what does he do, right? At this point, he's getting angry. (laughs) And we see that. But he's not flying off the handle, right? It's a just anger. Um, What he does is he's bringing prescribed punishments to bear. Um, These guys are breaking these commitments to God, these oaths that they made. And in some instances, stoning was what was prescribed. So a beating is less than a stoning. And um pulling the pulling of hair was a public shaming ritual. So he's formally he's doing a formal ceremony to rebuke these shameful acts. So and then the third the reform that he puts in is he makes them take an oath. Again, you won't do this. You might be thinking, well they they made an oath already about that. But maybe beating and pulling their hair out worked this time. (laughs) So Nehemiah So what does he do this whole chapter is he sees all this happening. He sees the Israelites slacking um, and he puts things into place. He puts a reform into place for every single thing. It was needed. He wasn't just kind of upset because he wasn't a fan of what they were doing. They made commitments to God that they were not taking seriously. They were seriously slacking on. And not taking a commitment seriously to God can lead to disaster. And he talks about that. But he puts things into action to get things back on track um if we go back just between december like christmas and new year's of 2023 uh, i let mona lisa in and she likes to run up the stairs uh because she miss, she doesn't want to miss out on all the fun so she runs up the stairs every time i let her in and uh, it's not a lot of stairs right it's like maybe nine ish stairs in our house um and i do a brisk walk up the steps kind of after her a little bit of a run if you if you will and i get to the top and i'm like oh, I'm tired. <laughs> like nine steps and I feel out of breath. And uh, I, at that moment was like, I need to take my health a little bit more seriously. So I took that and I made a commitment to God that I would eat healthier, that I would work out every day, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm not not even 30 yet and I'm out of breath walking up the steps. It's not a good thing. So I talked to God, and I wanted it to be a conviction, so if I didn't do it, I would feel convicted, and I brought it to God, and I would said, I'm going to work out every single day, so I quickly realized that I needed a Nehemiah in my life to make sure that I was doing that every single day, and uh, so I asked, I did the unthinkable, and I asked Guy to make sure that I worked out every single day. And if you know Skye, she will make sure that you work out every single day. So much so that there was a day that she, I don't know, maybe she was out or something. I didn't work out, right? I said I was gonna do it every single day, I didn't work out. We're getting into bed, and she's like, oh, did you work out today? And I'm like, ah, no, I just yeah, I, I didn't do it today. She goes, okay, we'll do 20 push-ups. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, I'm about to get into it. Do, do 20 push-ups. So I got out of the ground and I, I did 10. And then I was like, that's probably enough. She saw the effort, right? I, I had the effort there. Uh, she's like, no, do, do 10 more. I'm like, okay. And then I did 10. And she's like, i yeah, do another 5 And I'm like a chump. I'm just doing push-ups by my bed, getting all sweaty and worked up before bed. But I was slacking in my commitment, right? And that's a good thing that she did that. Her sky reform, if you will. Um, she put a change into my life to help me stay on track. If I got sloppy one day... It was going to be easier the second day to fall fall off track, to be sloppy again. So I didn't work out, and the next day I'm like, eh, yeah, okay, maybe I don't need to work out today. This whole week is shot. I might as well just wait until next week, right? Maybe uh, for you, you, you didn't read your Bible yesterday, so you might as well just start again on Monday. You like a good routine, right? Um, maybe you missed prayer prayer night uh, this week or this month you haven't been, so you might as well just wait till March, right? Or maybe you missed some Devo time, and again, you just wanna, you want it to be synced. So I'm going to start again on Monday. But when we get sloppy once, it's easy to get sloppy again. And just like the Israelites were getting sloppy, they were slacking in their commitments, I was slacking in my commitment to God. And luckily, I needed that sky reform, and she came in, she came in clutch. So what's the big deal, though? Because you might be, might be thinking, what's the big deal? So the more that we slack in our faith, the further we can get from God. The more I slack working out, the unhealthier I'll be. The more I slack in my relationship with God, the worse my relationship with God is going to be. And spiritually unhealthy. So we need something like a Nehemiah reform or a sky reform in our life. What um, what Nehemiah reforms do you need in your life? Um, What's a change that you need to make that will help you stay on track, that will help you stop the slack? So let's jump back into, all the way at the end, verse 30. It says, thus I cleanse them from everything foreign, and I established the duties of the priest and Levites, each in his work, and I provided for the, wor- the wood offering at appointed times and for the first fruits. Remember me, O God, for good. So this is tied up very nicely. Nehemiah came in, right? He saw the people were slacking, um, and he put things into place, put practical things into place, literally forced people back into the things that they were supposed to be doing, reminding them of their commitments. And he did all this to help him get back on track. So our big idea today is this, cut the slack by getting back on track. Don't just sit in the slack, right? Do something about it. Put a change into your life that will help you get back on track. Maybe it's something like physically locking your apps on your phone so you can spend a little more time with God. Maybe it's finding an accountability partner that will make sure you stay on track. Maybe it's more devoted time with God daily spending time with him daily, but actually acting out that um, time that you're supposed to be spending with him. It's very needed, whatever it is. You're different than I am. So whatever you need, um, do it. Uh, It's needed. It was needed for the Israelites. It's needed for us. And a lot of times when I think about the Israelites, um, I think these guys are idiots. (laughs) These guys are morons, right? Uh, You just made these commitments, you guys, like not even a year prior and you're already breaking them. And I think about that a lot, and I look at the Israelites a lot, and I feel like, ah, yeah, these guys, that couldn't be me, right? If I was in this time, I wouldn't be that dumb to uh, not follow the commitments that, like, these dudes were, like, with God. Like, these guys should have known better than to break these commitments. But I once heard somebody say, never look at the Israelites and think, oh, that couldn't be me, because sure, they made different commitments than us. Right, I'm sure you didn't commit to keeping the temple sacred because that wasn't your New Year's resolution this year, right? But maybe your New Year's resolution was turning off your phone, right? Are you slacking with that? Um, maybe your New Year's resolution was not arguing about politics. How are you doing with that? Maybe your New Year's resolution was to start a Bible plan. How's that going? Sure, these are different. Uh, these are different commitments than what the Israelites made. They didn't have phones back then, so they can't make that. But these commitments, they're the same commitments, but they're broken by the same type of people, right? So never look at the Israelites and think, ah, that could not be me. Because within a year, they made all these, they broke all these commitments, right? And a year is a long time. Well, I can tell you in my life, within two months, I broke these commitments to God that I said that I would keep. Sure, I didn't marry an enemy of God, I hope. Um, I'm still not sure about that. But... My New Year's resolution was to eat healthier, right? Work out every day, just take my overall health more seriously. Um, You could ask the plate of food I made for myself on Super Bowl Sunday how I'm doing with that. All right, let me rephrase that. You can ask the two separate plates of food I made for myself because I couldn't fit it all onto one plate how I'm doing with that. Our commitments to God need to be taken seriously because when we slack on them, we grow further and further away from them. So my challenge for uh, you guys this week, um, probably going to hate it, to be honest, is go back to New Year's, uh, go back 55 days, identify a uh, commitment that you made to God, and see if you're slacking in it. Reflect on that. Don't, be, don't beat yourself up, right? It happens. Like I just said, we're dumb just like the Israelites were. We're not perfect. We're sinners. That's fine. God loves us anyway. He sent his son for us he loves us it's a cool thing about God is that while we were still sinners he sent his son to die for us but what commitments have you made to him that you might be slacking on are you going to continue to slacken them are you' going to take a page out of Nehemiah's book and put a change into your life to start taking our commitments to God more seriously let's pray